firstly, the closure of the camp in Frio was foreshadowed by a pretty remarkable decision by the state government to revoke the city of Frio's title to that park and reclaim it as Crown land, um, which was signed into effect the previous afternoon. Um, I'm not sure the last time that happened. It's a pretty pretty extraordinary decision um, and facilitated the state government to then come sweeping in with the full force of um, the law, the cops, and close it down the following morning. Fortunately, everyone who was there um, remained remarkably calm and it was entirely peaceful. That whole process um, it took about six hours or so from sort of 8am in the morning till early afternoon to wind the entire thing up, to pack up 100 or so tents, um, everyone's belongings, and ship them off on buses to what were then entirely unknown locations. Um, turned out it was four hotels across the Perth metro area for an initial period of a week, um, which is not even an emergency response to a crisis situation, I wouldn't say panic buying hotel rooms across Perth just is the clearest demonstration possible of the complete failure of this government to provide sufficient emergency accommodation for Perth's homeless and I mean let alone the utter um, shortage of any suitable housing for people to live in with their families long term um, and I think the uncertainty and the anxiety that that initial um, decision and how it was delivered brought to these people has not gone away. Um, I'm in close contact with many of them still and while there's a lot of relief for the immediate respite from life on the streets which is harsh and dangerous and stressful at the best of times um, and even worse during a pandemic and a second lockdown, I think um, they're all keenly aware that there is no certainty around their futures, some of them um, could be back out on the streets as soon as tomorrow and until the government can actually deliver secure, long-term, stable solutions, um, I don't think they've really done anything but kick the can down the road and try and sweep the problem under the carpet. And we can talk a little bit about the, the current situation shortly, but just in terms of that eviction, I guess from a, a cynical perspective or from at least my perspective as someone who's been paying attention to state politics for some time, it very much seemed like let's get this issue out of sight, out of mind, especially in the context of the upcoming election. Is that too cynical to look at it that way or do you think the state government was really just wanted the, the, you know, this out of the media spotlight as they gear up towards an election? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it was, again, the McGowan government's response, I think, was, was curious from the get-go. Um, I mean, the Premier spent the week prior to deciding to wrap things up in you know, utmost haste on a Saturday morning. He'd spent the previous week throwing grenade after grenade at that camp, accusing everyone from quote-unquote organisers of pulling people out of emergency accommodation to the people at the camp being drug addicts and violent criminals and even sex offenders, although the serious crimes that he alleged to have been perpetrated by people at that camp happened a long way away um, across Greater Fremantle, and thus far there's been no substantive link to anyone at that camp. Um, and, I mean, the government, I think, were in a panic. They were caught bizarrely um, by surprise by the emergence of this camp. I mean, they shouldn't be. It's been four years in the making um, particularly the last year or so has just led to uh, homelessness crisis erupting on their own doorstep. So for it to be literally on the doorstep of the Minister for Homelessness should not have caught them um, unawares, but it seems to have. And I think, as I say, the decision to try and get people out of sight as quickly as possible by buying 
the nearest hotel rooms they could get their hands on um, is just a sign of that panic. Um, it's been very cynical, and I think you know the um, the last week with the imposition of lockdown has wiped it off the news agenda for the time being, at least. But as I say, um, it hasn't gone away. These people are still in extremely insecure accommodation, let alone the many thousands of other people who are still homeless, either out on the streets or in overcrowded, unsafe accommodation with their families across Perth and WA. Um, and I think with five weeks till the election, um, there's plenty of time for it to re-emerge as a major problem. Um, because it is still a major problem. The government might not want to acknowledge that because they've got no response um, to a crisis they've largely um, allowed to occur on their watch. But, um, yeah, despite their best efforts and the best efforts of a fairly obliging press pack, I think the media is becoming increasingly sceptical of the claims of this government, on this issue at least, and I'm hoping that... Um, ongoing scrutiny will be applied and I hope that the public um, can separate the public perception of Mark McGowan as the man who's kept WA safe from the reality amongst one of our most vulnerable communities which is that they've been left on the streets and abandoned during you know a year of pandemics and fires and floods um, with almost no assistance from the government. Let's talk a little bit more about that idea of, of, of keeping people safe. I was reading uh, quite a disturbing story uh, that came out I think it was via NITV about an Indigenous woman uh, originally from Kalgoorlie who was on the streets in Perth as the lockdown was announced. Well, she actually just got out of hospital. Uh, subsequently, uh, she was moved on from a park and a series of circumstances led to her uh, nearly being infringed $5,000 uh, for simply sleeping rough. I mean, not, not necessarily specific to this case, but... Can you talk a little bit about this this example and the, the the reality of people sleeping rough during this lockdown and this kind of, I guess, double thing where the government's saying, oh, you know, we need to protect the community, everyone needs to lead, uh, wear masks and uh, stay inside their homes. And yet this reality that, you know, the, the most vulnerable people in our community, largely, in, you know, the Indigenous people as well that are, you know, uh, overrepresented as homeless people are just being totally ignored and not provided any adequate uh, services. What, what was that? What was the experience? Do you, do you know uh, in terms of uh, people uh, during lockdown who are currently sleeping rough? I think they were terrified, and I think it's very much it very much bears repeating that this is not the first time this has happened. This is a re-traumatizing experience for most of the people who are out on the streets. They were, by and large, entirely abandoned last year during the first wave of COVID when we knew nothing about what the consequences might be and how serious it could be. And people were effectively locked outdoors, stranded for weeks on end with no information, no capacity to keep themselves safe um, or um, to you know, socially distance or take any protective mechanisms because they had no home in which they could stay safely inside, unlike the rest of us. Um, I mean, during that first lockdown, we, there was another high-profile NRTV story involving the closure of a camp of homeless people um, just around the corner from my office, also just around the corner from the camp that subsequently popped up at Lord Street, um, where a large group of Indigenous people were moved on by city rangers and WA police and had all their belongings destroyed. The same thing appears to have happened in Dick Park this time around. Um, I understand that the woman's possessions, her bedding, her sleeping gear were taken by council rangers and removed and she was moved on by police. I'm aware of um, dozens of other people in the Perth CBD being moved on last week by police. I've seen videos of um, groups of, again, Aboriginal people being being moved on by police um, with no indication of where they're supposed to go, given that there are no homes for them to go to. Um, and, I mean, 
there's been a bit of focus on me personally in recent weeks as some sort of um, architect of the camp down in Fremantle. Um, and also I was involved with supporting the camp at Lord Street as well. I mean, the irony is that these are not the first tent cities that Perth has seen in recent years or even this year. The first one, realistically, was um, in the Perth CBD just around the corner from the tent city at Lord Street during March and April when dozens of people were camped outside the Tramby Centre run by Uniting WA. They were there because they get free food there. Um, ironically, if anyone was being lured anywhere um, with free food, it was during lockdown by a designated service provider. Um, and as I say, there were dozens of people gathered together there for week on week on end, highly vulnerable people with nowhere to go. And this most recent experience last week, I think, just brings all that back up for people. And if they're angry or if they're resentful or if there's added stress or mental health issues emerging, um, it's entirely natural as a response to feeling as though the community doesn't care about you. It doesn't even care enough to recognise that while all the rhetoric is around keeping WA safe and protecting our most vulnerable, the most vulnerable cohort in our community, the most vulnerable community in Western Australia, have been badly let down. Not once, not twice. I mean, it's not even as though COVID is some new experience. All it does is reveal and amplify the existing tendencies. Mm. Homeless people in WA, especially homeless Indigenous people, have been abandoned from the get-go really, and WA housing policy has, has destroyed families and made healing and reconciliation and reparations impossible for, for generations. But what COVID does when everyone else retreats inside is makes that very, very clear because the only people left outside are our most vulnerable and our most marginalised. And um, I don't think they're going to forget it. And I don't think we should forget it either. And we shouldn't let the government forget it. And I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, McGowan's latest announcements, 100-bed facility and so forth, in, in just a moment, Jesse. But I, I, I guess one thing that's kind of really angered me o- over the last couple of weeks is yeah, seeing people like yourself uh, kind of blamed for Tent City. And then recently in Fremantle, there's been calls for an independent inquiry into the council's role in Tent City. And it's it's kind of really absurd to see people saying, you know, they're you know accusing uh, one Fremantle uh, councillor of storing tents for the homeless in his office, as if this is a bad thing. And the, the, you know, and, and there's this I guess sector of the community, many of which have a ulterior political motive, but there is a section of the community that seem to be attempting to demonise people for simply trying to support and help the homeless and feed the homeless. Well, yeah, what are I your mean, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, it just seems so sort of Kafkaesque and bizarre when you're, you know, the media and, and actual layers of the, the community and, uh, and our political establishment are trying to blame people for supporting and helping the homeless? Well, I mean, it's a distraction. It's a distraction from um, an uh, issue onto, you know, an, an individual person trying to, trying to personalise it and make it about me um, is a desperate gambit from a government who have no response to the actual crisis. Um, and they, they they have no record they can point to. They have no recourse at all but to try and distract and spin and deflect and make it about individual people. Um, I mean that's that's you know that is the labour spin machine at full blast, and it's what they do best. It's the only thing they really do well at all is um, is spin things. Um, as far as an independent inquiry goes, um, I fully support that. I would be um, highly highly supportive of a transparent, independent investigation into the root causes of tent cities across Perth. There have been several in recent years. Um, I want to know why in 2021 hundreds of people are camping out 
in you know public parks across one of the richest cities in one of the richest states in the world. Um, I don't think the Frio Council um, has the resources or the capacity to fully conduct that investigation. I would be suggesting that the upper house of WA Parliament ought to be conducting that inquiry um, and would fully support any attempts to to um, to facilitate that and to widen the scope to ex- to investigate the the actual causes of these camps, which are not you know advocates such as myself or, or campaigns like How's the Homeless WA, which which I'm a part of, um, or you know Frio Council, um, you know whose land this latest camp happened to um, pop up on. Um, the causes are far more systemic than that, um, and I think that WA Parliament is the natural the natural forum for um for fully airing all of that and I would be happy to you know to appear if that were required but I think far more pertinent would be appearances by the government ministers and by the premier by the police commissioner um to explain their role in all of this and that's not just something that's um taken place over the last few weeks that goes back many years um so bring it on Finally, Jesse, as I said, the the government has announced this 100-bed facility among other, uh, I guess, sort of announcements around uh, new forms of uh, crisis support and and, how, and social housing. Can, can you just talk us through what's been announced and whether or not it goes any way towards uh, addressing this crisis? Um, yeah, so I slipped in the sort of... A- small column on page two of the Sunday Times yesterday, the quietest day of the week, um, was an announcement about a 100-bed supported accommodation facility on Wellington Street in the city for homeless rough sleepers. Um, I think it's great. I think it's a really good idea. In fact, um, I was involved in designing it over the past six months, although I doubt anyone will mention that now. Um, But it's not enough, and it's not soon enough, and it's not long-term enough. Uh, Backpackers with... You know, the best support in the world is only a short-term solution, but it's not even going to be available in the short term. In fact, there's no indication of when it's going to come online, certainly not before the election. Who knows how long afterwards when the government presumably hopes this issue will have died down and gone away. In the meantime, there are 100 people scattered in four hotels across Perth. One hotel in particular called me this morning to say that the government had just called them and said they're not paying for any of the people there to stay there any longer. And when the hotel asked them what they should do, they said, kick them out. There are two heavily pregnant women at that hotel. There are several families with young children at that hotel. These people have nowhere else to go. Um, So 100 beds at some point in the future is... It's a useful staging post, but again, transitional solutions are only as good as the houses to which people can then transition. Otherwise, it's just a dead end. No-one wants to live in a backpacker's forever. No one wants to live in a hotel forever. Um, I mean, after hotel quarantine is coming back from interstate or overseas, two weeks is enough for anyone. Um, People need homes to go home to with their families. And until the government can deliver those, um, the rest of it's really just distraction and superficial band-aids. This government has destroyed a thousand more social houses over the last four years than it's created. They built 24 social houses last year. They have a grand plan to create 47 new homes over the next four years when there's over 15,000 families on the social housing wait list, homeless right now. At this rate, it'll take over a thousand years to house all those families. So when McGowan stands up and makes these black and white announcements 
you know, 6pm on a Saturday night for the Sunday paper. Um, I think people need to be sceptical and they need to ask, well, what then, Mr Premier? Especially given that two weeks after the election we've got an eviction moratorium lifting and we can expect thousands more families to be losing their homes and out on the street in the midst of the worst rental crisis in the state's history. Um, so it's all pretty bleak. <laughs> and I guess my only um, point of optimism is that all these announcements, and there have been several in recent weeks, have come purely because highly marginalised and vulnerable people have stood together and stood up and advocated for what they need by sharing their stories. And that is the one thing the government can't argue with. They've got all the power, but the people have all the truth. The minister, the premier, they can't argue with an Aboriginal matriarch, an Aboriginal elder standing up and saying what my family needs to heal and stay safe and to break this intergenerational cycle of appalling trauma with its fatal consequences is a home for our families. Um, and I'm hoping that before too long the government will realise that the only solution to the homelessness crisis that they've created is houses and that they'll build them and buy them and provide them for the families who need them. Um, I think it's coming and um, I hope that these desperate families don't have too long to wait because I don't think they can.